0: Hey everyone, it's James again, back with another Solar Session. Today I'm here with the homie Aaron, and we're going to talk about some solar technology and how it advanced in 2022. So, let's get into it!
1: Two, one, and liftoff!
0: Alright, so hey Aaron, uh, would you mind telling everybody who you are and what you do around here?
1: My name's Aaron, Uh, I'm actually the tech support manager here, so... I help everybody out from our install crews to the homeowners and everybody in between.
0: Right on. So, how has it been working here? I mean, how long have you been here, actually?
1: Uh, about three years, actually. Now.
0: Okay. How and, do you like
1: it here? Oh, I love it. It's one of the best companies I've ever worked for. Um, especially for me, I enjoy problem solving. So I get to do what I really like—just helping people fix their problems.
0: Yeah, it's very fulfilling. And I mean, it's it's nice to work for people that you trust. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So um, since since you're in the tech support department, what kind of problems do you come across most commonly?
1: Most commonly, it's usually communication issues. So after we install a system, we'll uh, actually connect it to the Internet via one of several ways, mm-hmm. and uh, that's to connect to the monitoring platform for the homeowner to be able to. Watch the, uh, check the production and consumption of their system. Right.
0: So they can see what they're producing, what, what how much electricity they're making.
1: Yep. Yeah. So usually the big thing that happens is, is we'll connect it to Wi Fi yeah. and the people, the homeowner will forget that it's connected to Wi Fi and change their password or get a new company to come uh, out with a new internet service. So it's usually just us happen helping them uh, walk through to set up the their, their
0: regular IT type stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, but besides that, I mean, occasionally we get, uh, you know, issues that I have to help the installers with if they have certain questions on on certain ways to connect, uh, you know, the solar panels or issues like that. But uh, typically, yeah, it's usually a little bit more on the tech end of the IT stuff, the, the kind of problems we deal with.
0: Okay. Do you ever deal with, like, panels that are damaged? Does that happen very often?
1: Yeah, but not from what you'd think. Usually it's bullet holes. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, uh, right after New Year's and uh, and 4th uh, of July is is um, when we get a lot of that. there's
0: out there getting wild, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah,
1: and it, it, always the same question is, is that covered under warranty, which unfortunately everything we've found it's not. But one thing we always do recommend is after you get your solar is add it to your home warranty or your home insurance because there uh... is – Things in there that will be covered that the manufacturer's warranty and our labor warranty don't cover. So always looking to add and it's a couple extra bucks to your your uh, home warranty, you know, per month or your insurance. Totally worth it.
0: And then they'll pay for us to come out and replace the panel if it gets shot. Apparently.
1: It, it, yeah. If but usually the deduct it, it depends. You got to negotiate a good deductible.
0: I see. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good to know. Um, so you mentioned the monitoring app. I don't want to go into it too deep, but uh, what kind of monitoring apps do we use? Do we do, do our customers get to use?
1: Uh, primarily, uh, if you have an Enphase system, Enphase is an all-in-one integrated app. Uh, I find it probably the most intuitive out of the several manufacturers that we do install with. Mm-hmm. Um, if we are able to put consumption monitoring on the house, which varies from the type of service panel you have, if it's capable of being done... The app is incredibly intuitive in showing you what your system will produce, what you're going to consume off of your production, what you're going to pull from the grid, and what you're exporting back to grid. And it puts it in a very easy-to-read, easy-to-quantify several pages on the app that
0: are just... just, You can just check every day and see what's going on.
1: Super easy to use, yeah. You can see... um, And if we're able to hook it to Wi-Fi, you get updated information every 15 minutes. Is Wi-Fi the only connection available? No, if it's... uh, if it's within the realm of uh, you know ease, uh, we can hardwire direct to the router. Oh, really? Yep. And uh, if not Wi-Fi or that too, we also have a cellular kit that actually it's its own little standalone kit that has a SIM card in it,
0: oh. which will allow
1: the system to talk autonomously. So regardless if you have internet or not, or say you're in so a if rural- the internet
0: goes down, you can still see what's going on. Exactly. Oh, that seems cool. Is that? Can I ask how much that will cost somebody to install?
1: That's part of, integrated part of our uh, our offer. Oh,
0: nice. Okay. That's good to know. Uh, all right. So, earlier this year, uh, 3G shut down and it caused a huge problem. Can we, can we go into that a little bit? Like, what, what exactly is, just just for everybody who doesn't know, what, what was 3G and why did it matter and why do we have to replace it?
1: So, 3G is the bands that the, uh, For a long time, you know, several years ago when you'd get a new cell phone, it would brag about being 3G. Right. So that is a dedicated bandwidth from a certain certain frequency to a certain frequency that's owned to allow for that cell communications. Yeah. So what happens is, is as 4G comes out, 5G, and they're going to be working on 6G, they have to recycle the old bands. So what they do is it's called sunsetting. So this year, we had that major hurdle to overcome with the sunsetting of the 3G networks that a lot of our systems did have. Um, Option one is stepping up, though. So we are coming out. um, We're going to try to stay away from cell just because the fact of the matter is, is this going to happen every several years?
0: Yeah. You don't have to go out there and replace 4G next Mm -hmm. year or whatever.
1: So we are offering uh, to come out to our customers, and if it's possible to do a, a hardwire, uh, we will do that. If the hardwire is not possible, we will hook it up to Wi-Fi.
0: Okay. So Wi-Fi is safer just because you have to worry about cellular bands. Exactly. As long as style. you have
1: your internet, you'll have your communications to right. the monitoring.
0: What do they do if they have Wi-Fi and they don't have internet? Does the monitoring – so the panels will still work though?
1: Oh, the pa- yes, of course. The, the panels will still work. We strongly encourage having it hooked to the monitoring site because if there is an issue with the system, we will get uh, notified. So if it is not connected, the homeowner is not going to get notified, and we won't be notified.
0: Okay, so we can actually see if it's broken before the homeowner even knows.
1: Something. Exactly, and that's my goal in my department is to keep everything you know is is to be able to fix the problem before it is a problem. Right. So
0: that's good. All right. Cool. Uh, so we've, there's microinverters versus optimizers is something I wanted to get into. I mean, what is a microinverter and what is an optimizer, and what's the difference between the two?
1: So essentially, they're almost the same thing, but I prefer microinverters. What what, what
0: function do they serve? Let's start there.
1: So what happens is is an older older solar system, they were called string inverters. And you had one central inverter. You had no optimizers, no microinverters. Each panel was hooked together, positive, negative, positive, negative. So the way you got to think about it is like the old school Christmas lights. Yeah. One light goes out, the whole thing goes out. Right, okay. So you get an obstruction on one panel. Yeah that panel's going uh, to, the, the quality of its production is going to come down because, say, a bird, you know, does its business on it. Or, yeah, uh, so something it the looks panel. Looks- yep, yeah. <laughs> so that panel's going to bring all the other panels down to its level. Like past that one or all of them together? Uh, all of them together. Oh, now, wow, okay. So the whole that system. whole panel actually goes out. It's going to bring the whole string down. Okay. So with uh, the advent of optimizers, which came out, I believe, before the microinverters the uh, they use what's called MPPT which is maximum power point tracking okay which allows if you look like here on our on our solar panel you have these cells so they either come in 70, 60 72 96 type configurations okay um, so what happens is is if say one cell gets shaded instead of the whole panel and the whole string getting brought down to that lowest cells common denominator it will just take that cell out of the equation and allow the maximum power Okay. To track <laughs> into there.
0: So that's what the optimizers do.
1: So that's the Yeah, the optimizers. Now, microinverter does that as well. So if you have one panel come out or you get one, you know, safe shading on one panel, it'll take that out of the equation and let the rest of the panels on that string produce at their highest possible power. Okay. Now, the reason I prefer microinverters over optimizers is because in a panel, uh, a panel produces in direct current. Our houses use... Alternating current, right. so we have to convert that direct current into alternating current. Now the thing is, is with direct current, when it runs, it runs at a higher voltage, which is unsafer. So when you're running optimizers, you're running anywhere from 400 to 500 volts coming off the roof down to the inverter. Whereas if it's microinverted, which the point of a microinverter does everything an optimizer does, but at a panel level it will actually convert the direct current to AC current.
0: Oh, directly from the panel.
1: Directly from the panel.
0: Oh, that's so why I didn't even know that. from
1: the roof down to your uh, what's called the end-phase combiner box that yeah. goes into the, your panel, you're only pushing 240 volts. Okay. So you're right around half of, you know, well, a little bit more than half of what uh, what's coming off on a DC-type system. Right. Okay. So the good thing, too, with microinverters versus optimizers or string inverters, central inverters, is if one inverter goes down in a micro-inverter system, the rest of the system is still good. On a central inverter system, if the one inverter goes out, the whole system is out.
0: Uh-huh. So you have, so, to, you have to get that replaced as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Whereas you can survive a little bit with a micro Yeah,
1: one panel out, you know, you can go a week or two w- until we can get the part back in or whatever to, to replace right. that. Right. You still produce some energy. Exactly.
0: Okay. Um, so, yeah, it, it collects it in D.C., and it goes to AC to the house, correct? But I know that there's a little bit lost in the translation there, like a little bit of power is lost.
1: Yeah, that's uh, you're called your inherent power loss. Uh, so I
0: mean, how much how much can people expect to lose? So I mean, these panels are rated for 400 watts. How much are we getting from each panel after it's transformed into AC?
1: Usually about 15 to 25 percent. You're going to have a loss okay. anywhere, depending on 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 the panel, the brand, the type of panel is the panel bifacial or not? This is all going to play a role in how much of a power loss there is.
0: And there's no way around that, right? Like it's just, it has to, it
1: has to. Yeah. It's, it's just the, the, the
0: it, inherent,
1: inherent, inherent properties loss, of electricity. Yeah. And, uh, I believe it's, it, well, it's part of the lo- laws of thermodynamics. It's just, uh, you're yeah. going to have,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah that's, every time you convert energy, I think it's the third law of thermodynamics. I believe I'm, not, yeah, if I'm second mistaken. Or th- yeah. One of
1: them. <laughs> but, uh, Yeah, so essentially you can look at um, outside of – so a panel that comes at 400 watts, that's its standard test conditions, which means basically perfect. You know, it's 70 degrees, there's no wind, the the panel has not been heated by the sun, Mm -hmm. and uh, in electrical theory, uh, the way it works is the hotter it gets, you're going to create more resistance. Right. So in a cooler environment than a perfect in a lab, yeah, they're going to get – 400 watts out of that panel now and
0: so it's based off of perfect conditions
1: exactly so that's when you get that now they have you called your ptc rating which you'd figure would stand for practical test rating but it has to do with nrel the national renewable energy laboratories it's it's a huge acronym they just put it down to ptc which unfortunately i don't know off the top of my head yeah uh so what that is is a more real life Test and calibration of the panel to give you a better idea.
0: Like how much you'll get off when Ex- it's on your roof.
1: Exactly, exactly. In a real world situation.
0: Okay, well, that's that's good to know. I mean, everybody... I've heard some people complain about how much power they're getting versus how much they're supposed to get, and this it's good for them to know it's just an inherent thing. It's going to... Any panel you get is going to perform exactly. that way.
1: Now, and, and that that goes... You can multiply that out by your system size. So the way we say a system size is, is if it's a 10, 10-kilowatt 10 system... That's multiplying out each panel, adding them together with its STC. Now, that system's never going to actually hit 10K. It may hit within 10% of it, depending, you know, on the panel. So that's one thing uh, we try to, in the sales, before it even gets to that is explain to the people, you know, and all of our, uh, the way we do our site survey and we build our proposals and look at, uh, we we actually use, uh, it's called Scanafly. Yeah. And it's a really cool system that comes out and uses a drone to, get the the 3d model yeah it creates a 3d model essentially so that way we can look at the it can see real time what kind of obstructions where shade's going to be and the program will actually put that year round so as the sun goes lower on the horizon and back higher on the horizon shadows are going to cast differently so all of this is taken to account for when we build your system to offset it so if you feel you know it, it it it's Trust us, we're, we're the professionals. We know, yeah. you know, and we use really good software that will build the system to offset how much energy you're using per year.
0: Yeah, we, we know all this stuff t- ahead of time, so we'll make sure it's built to exactly what you need. Exactly, and it's still going to save you money. Uh, so, um, is there any new solar tech that came out this year that you want to mention?
1: Actually, I'm really excited. Uh, N Phase rolled out their IQ8. Uh, okay, line so that's the that's microinverters.
0: It's generation of that.
1: Uh, essentially, yeah. Yeah. They started with the S series, then an M series that went from like 215 watts 250. Uh, well, and actually then they just jumped calling it IQ six. I'm not sure where in between that. Maybe it was, maybe it was testing behind the scenes. You know, they had to do a one, two, three, four or something in the the IQ, uh, branding.
0: But But those are the new micro inverters. Latest and greatest. So what's so good about them?
1: So. Essentially, their output is going to be the same as the IQ7 series. Okay. So, they call them you have, you'll have you have an IQ7 or IQ8 by itself, which is a lower power microinverter. They have a plus, IQ8 plus, mm-hmm. IQ8 alpha, okay. uh, et cetera. They have some commercial uh, options as well. <clears throat> All those give out a different max continuous output. Okay. So, you have higher power ones that you're going to, you know, you're going to want, if you have a higher power panel, you're going to want to match it with a higher power microinverter. Right. But the cool thing with the difference is, so, in California, with solar, we have Rule 21, and that means if there is a power outage and you do not have battery backup, your solar is not going to power your house.
0: Oh, that's a rule.
1: That is a rule because it well, it's, it's actually a safety issue. So the thing is, let's say the utility company needs to put the grid out in your area so they can work on the lines.
0: They need to make sure there's no power in there.
1: Exactly. So if you're backfeeding energy back into that, you could end up electrocuting the lineman. Oh, okay. So that's why... Uh, what happens is is all solar systems in California have to have what's called a a 240-volt precharge that it can detect the grid to know that it's okay to turn on. So as soon as it doesn't detect the grid anymore, it shuts the whole system down. Okay. So uh, like I said, it's a major safety issue. But with the IQ8s, oh, let me rewind. So like I said, I did mention a battery. If you have a battery, you can power in a power outage, obviously, because that has what's called a transfer switch. Okay. So in the event the grid goes down, the switch completely disconnects from the grid. And
0: then you have your own little microgrid going. And you have
1: your own microgrid, essentially, okay. yeah, based off the battery. Now, the cool thing with the IQ8s is you don't have to have a battery.
0: Oh, really? So, they create their own little microgrid
1: anyways. creates its own microgrid, and it's able to power itself, um, you know, within reason. You're not going to be able to, to go power a blender and a welder and all this, you know. You're going to have a,
0: But we can keep the fridge on.
1: Keep the fridge going. And what'll happen is it'll shed the loads as you know. Let's say a cloud comes over and it can't handle your, you know,
0: whatever, whatever
1: appliance is gone. Yeah, it'll it'll shut that circuit off. So that way, it can direct divert the power to what when else is power. still the lower lower loads. Okay, um, but that's kind of revolutionary in the. Uh, the solar solar tech, solar industry. Okay, so um, they're still working out some bugs and kinks with the software, but I, I am a firm believer that it is uh, that's where the technology is going.
0: Okay. Um, Speaking about where the technology is going, where where do you think it's going?
1: I think we're going to see a lot higher efficiency panels, and mm-hmm. I think you're going to see panels change. Um, Tesla came out with the solar roof a few years back.
0: Yeah, but from what I heard, it wasn't very efficient.
1: No, but uh, I can tell you, I went to the Re Plus Expo this year. Yeah, there is a uh, that that opened the door. So there is a lot of other companies, big companies that are notorious for th- their roofing abilities in the worldwide industry. So they're going to refine that. They're they get- going to refine that, and, and anytime you know, anytime that's a you're, you're going to have competition. It's going to get better. Right. Cost is going to go down. Return of uh, investments going to go up. Right. So. There is a lot of exciting things on that. They are talking about new um, roll-on solar for like commercial that I've seen where it's essentially a strip of solar and you just roll it out, glue it on. Yeah. You know, um, so it's, I don't know what's going to stick, where it's really going to go, but there's a lot of exciting things. Um, to me, the, the two big things you can really count on happening though, you're going to see a lot. Each year we're going to see the panels efficiency and power output go up. And we're going to see the cost of uh, battery storage go down.
0: Yeah. That's going to, I think that's going to be a big push in this next few years. Because
1: who doesn't want to be able to have autonomy if the grid yeah. goes down, you know, and being able to uh, have power in the event of a power outage? Yeah. Or being able to play against the solar, uh, what, what the utility companies do with solar. Right. Especially with time of use. And, yeah. you know, for example, you can actually, like with a Tesla Powerwall, um uh, you can set it to uh, where between four and nine when the energy is the most expensive, but the utility company knows between four and nine, you're not going to produce hardly nothing because the sun's going the down. sun's going down, yeah. Um, you can set the power wall to offset and put power back into the grid. So it'll purchase, you know, you'll, you'll save it when it's cheapest. So you,
0: can, you can sell the most expensive electric
1: Exactly. Energy. Back to it yeah. to, to maximize your ability to not be reliant on the utility company. Which I think is the the main goal of of getting solar. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, everybody wants to be self sufficient with their energy. That's the whole that's the whole thing. Exactly. Besides saving money, obviously. Uh, all right, so
1: let's let's kind of close this up. Do you have any tips for the homeowners out there? Um, big tip. A lot of people always ask about keeping solar panels clean. Um aesthetically it does not hurt whatsoever. Uh-huh. Um, I don't really recommend going it if it's a really hot day. Remember if it's a, if it's 100 degrees out, the ambient temperature of that panel is probably about 180 degrees.
0: Right. So you so don't, don't really need water cuz you'll yeah, crack
1: it. You, you don't really want to go shoot. so if you are going to do it, hosing it off is fine. Uh we re, you know you can uh Would be better to hose screen. it off at night. I would always recommend that. Yeah. Okay. Early in the morning, night after the you know either before the sun comes up or after the sun goes down. Um there is a lot of uh, very reputable cleaning services for solar panels that you can also go through, and they're, from what I understand, they're they're fairly uh, it's it's cost effective. Yeah, it's it's not bad. Now, the one thing people will ask is, especially like how much how much power loss am I going to get if you see dust and whatnot on there? The dust doesn't really affect that. We actually did an experiment uh, with the owner of the company uh, with the system a few years back, where the first year. We didn't clean the panels at all. We just yeah. let it go. And the second year, we cleaned them every, like, every month. Okay. It was negligible. It was like a 1% or 2%. Well,
0: that's one year, though. I mean, that's, what about five years down the road?
1: Oh, well, you definitely are going to want, because, especially where we're at, in Southern California, well, at this point, anywhere in California, we got wildfires going a lot. Yeah. So, so there's
0: a lot of dust in the air.
1: We've all seen that when you got and you smell that smoke and you see the ash coming down on your car and your windshield. Yeah. So what happens with that is, is that ash actually has carbon soot in it. So the soot.
0: So it's thicker than regular dust.
1: It is. And it will block out the sun, you know, the, the sun rays that actually will uh, power the solar panels. So if we do have a wildfire and you have ash that has come down, get the panels cleaned immediately. Right. That's That's the one thing I can say. Besides that, if it's just a little dusty here and there, it's not a huge deal. Um, aesthetically, though, you know, it's, yeah. some people want them to look good. And I, I'm, I'm one of those people. <laughs> yeah. All right.
0: So in your opinion, do you think like maybe cleaning like every three years or so would be efficient?
1: I'd say once a year even. Once a year? If, if you wanted even three. I mean, it just kind of depends on what what the year had in store weather-wise or yeah. wildfire-wise, you know.
0: What about rain? Does that clean them at all? Like just rainfall? It
1: can. Um if we get, like where we're at though, we get a lot of, oh, we think it's going to rain and then it's just enough to, to dirty your windshield and muddy it up. Right. Now that same concept applies to here. So it can make it look ugly. Now you get enough mud buildup, you're going to block out sun rays too coming in. Right. So, uh, but for the most part, if if you live where you get decent rain, you probably really don't need to worry about cleaning your, your panels, you know, if, if. Uh, you're anywhere outside of where we're at, where it rains normally. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, all right. Well, thank you for stopping by and discussing solar technology with us. Um, year's coming to a close here. So we're going to, we're going to enjoy partying a little bit. Uh, thank you everybody for stopping by and listening to us talk about solar technology. And if you want to get the latest solar technology for your home, just give us a call option one solar.com. Anyways. All right. We'll catch you later on the next session. So have a great day.